if and one night he had an encounter with the divine when the prophet Muhammad his name was Muhammad which was a very strange name in Arabia very few people there is nobody who named Muhammad in Arabia so, <laughs> nobody now you can you can go through books after books and you don't find anyone named Muhammad in Arabia at that time now of course the name became a very international name when the prophet Muhammad spoke about encounter with the divine you know people start just to mock him you know, that's usually what people do when you introduce a new idea. This community, the society where he brought the new faith, the idea, there was uh, a polytheistic society. They worshipped idols. They had many of them. In the shrine in Mecca, there was more than 360 uh, idols. And it was made of clay, of different kind of uh, substances. And people worshipped them. They did believe in a supreme being, but they thought the supreme being is too removed to deal with everyday uh, aspects of life. Therefore, they sought guidance or assistance from the small deities that they had on the shrine, uh, 360 of them or so. However, within five years, a trickle of converts start to join the Prophet Muhammad. Many of these were from poor backgrounds, were people who were, did not have much stake in the society. The Meccan society was aristocratic, was relatively wealthy compared to the rest of Arabia, and it was also very materialistic, and there was so much uh, gap between those who have and those who have not, those who didn't have anything. Many people were slaves, male slaves, female slaves, and so on. Some of these people, most of the converts, were from this stratum of the society. But some were not from that stratum. Some were from the high echelon of the society. And it was the latter group that really uh, brought the, the fear to the hearts of the leaders of the Meccan society. Because they were worried that this man is not just a joke. Actually, he's saying something that's attracting key member of the society. To channel the rage in a way that they could do, they did not attack the leaders of the community, the, the leading members who convert, converted to Islam. Because these members had their tribes. Even though their tribes and clan did not approve of their new faith, they did not want them to be persecuted. So they protected them. But there were people who were not protected. This were the slave, women, children, whose parents have chosen to be Muslim. The society, the Meccan society, challenged all its anger and rage to this segment, and they started to persecute them. So the Prophet Muhammad started to look around to ways to protect these individuals that he could not protect, because he himself was harassed, was not persecuted to the same degree. No one beat the Prophet. No one uh, threatened to kill the Prophet because the Prophet had a clan and the clan protected him. And so was the case with key and leading members of the community that embraced his faith. What's alarming to the Meccan society was the idea that the Prophet Muhammad called for one single God for everyone and also the idea that all people are created equal. Uh, that idea was strange in an aristocratic society where people have different 
levels, you know. Now, a slave is equal to the person who owned them. That was kind of anathema. That was strange because people did not see themselves as equal to their slaves. Uh, so the Prophet looked around. Every other tribe in Arabia revered people in Mecca and the clan of Quraysh which controlled Mecca so much so that they would not provide sanctuary to anyone that they, the Meccans would not approve of. So if the Prophet had to send his the weak members of his community say like go seek shelter with the other tribes they would not be able to protect them because they were worried about the Meccans. The Meccans had a lot of influence. The tribe's name is Quraysh and it has a lot of influence. It was revered. So they were more or less the spiritual uh, leaders of the entire Arabia. The Prophet thought about Iraq. Iraq was an area where there was a lot of Arabs there's some similarity to the situation in Arabia. So he could have sent some of his followers there and they would have leave it. They would have easy time acclimating, acculturating to the context. But if he had sent them there, he did not have assurances that the Iraqi tribes who were under the Persian influence would not hand his followers to the Persians. And the Persian would not have... Uh, appreciated a monotheistic phase based on a scripture at the time. So the Prophet looked to the other side, was the Levant, where there were some Arab tribes and he could have sent his followers there. But then also that fell under the Byzantine Empire, and the Byzantine Empire uh, was a Christian empire at the time. And he was worried that they may not approve of uh, his group and they might, the Arab tribe might give them to the emperor. Now, we all know that there was the notion of orthodoxy uh, in the Christian faith, and that was very central to the Christian faith. Those who did not specifically adhere to the orthodoxy are seen as heretic. They engaged in heresy, and heresy is something that uh, has major consequences. And so the government and the emperor and the sort of the clergy would take uh, some severe uh, sort of punishment for those would afflict, inflict severe punishment on those who did not adhere to the orthodoxy. Now that's very unique because there, in, uh, there is no other culture actually that has that notion of orthodoxy. For example, Judaism does not have the notion of orthodoxy in the same sense. Islam does not also have in the same sense. Judaism and Islam has the notion of orthopraxy which is slightly different from orthodoxy. There is a focus on what you do, not so much what you kind of believe. In any case, the Prophet Muhammad thought, okay, where would I send the people whom I see every day being tortured and I could do nothing to assist them? So he had an idea, so he gathered his companions and he said, there is a Christian king in Africa who is very just and fair. And I would like you, to, those few of you, to migrate and check the situation there and see what would happen. So the man's name is Ashama, and uh, the title of his position is Ashi. He was a Christian king, but he was sort of independent, has an independent sort of small kingdom. Uh, spiritually, was under the influence of the Coptic Church in Egypt, but it was more or less independent. 
uh, Abyssinia, which is a place, was not very close to Mecca. So this migrant had to run away from the city, go all the way to the sea, and then cross the sea in primitive tools, primitive boats to get there. And so the Prophet chose ten, peop- ten men and four women to go on the first migration. And these people went and they came to Najashi and presented themselves and sought asylum in his kingdom. And the man was very gracious and provided asylum. And the news came really fast to Mecca that there is a place actually where you can practice without having to go into persecution. So the Prophet again assembled another group. This time 82 men and 18 women who were from the uh, uh, the people most vulnerable uh, to persecution. And so he ordered them to go. Now the Meccans start to get the point. There is a danger in this. If we allow this to continue like this, and more good news coming from Abyssinia, then pretty soon we would have a Muslim community in Abyssinia, and who knows, they might actually create ship and come back and get us all. So they decided we're going to get them. So they sent a delegation to Abyssinia, to convince the king to actually return these people back to them. And they said, those are just renegades and criminals who had left our homes and uh, we need them back. Now they did what most people would do. If you're going to go speak to a king, you bring a lot of nice gifts, uh, you know, uh, exotic items, money, gold, jewelry, uh, good stuff. And of course, they did not forget to bribe everyone around the king. They did come. Nishashi was a young man, and he, was, he relies on a lot of his decisions on some of the clergymen uh, who were older than him to make decisions. So when they came, first they told him, oh, we want them back, you know, the normal gifts and stuff, and we just want these guys back. They're really terrible, horrible people, and they will cause trouble here. He said, well, they haven't made any trouble here since they come. Um, and they're just, just fine. I don't see a problem. He told him, oh, no, they're they are pretty bad. They're just not, not good people. So Najashi, you know, dismissed their first intervention. And they felt, okay, we need to do something about this. So the man who was sent to, to, to sort of bring them back is a very witty uh, diplomat. So he had to say, okay, how about this? How about actually I tell him that their faith actually insults his faith? And so they came back to him, and he went to the clergy first and introduced it. He said, like, these people mock Mary. These people actually do not believe Jesus Christ was anybody. Right? And so they brought the story. So Najashi had to bring the Muslim community. Like, what's this whole thing? So the Muslim delegation chose one of the prophet's cousin, who was one of the immigrants. And so he came to Najashi, and he said, what's your story? These people say you're a criminal. So you insult Mary, you insult Jesus, that uh, then you're just like no good people. So Jafar had a very succinct message to bring to the king. He said, we used to fight one another for trivial reasons. We used to uh, betray our kin and kith. We used to focus on drinking, gambling, and things of that nature. Those of us who were strong used basically to take advantage of those who were weak. And then God had sent us a man. We all knew who he is. We knew how he was brought up. Nobody had ever questioned his integrity before he came with the message. 
And most of the things he called us for things that make us better. He wanted us to be good to our neighbors, to our parents, to our relatives. And he wanted us to abstain from gambling, from drinking, from things of that nature. And he also forbid us from killing one another. And he asked us to be one and united community. Now, as far as the allegations about Christ, I'm not going to give you a summary of what the Prophet has taught us. I'm going to read you exactly from the scripture that he had brought. And I'm going to read you the chapter 19 of Quran. There is no woman mentioned by name in the entire text except one woman. And that woman happened to be Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. The entire chapter 19 entitled Mary. It's a great privilege within the text because there is no other human beings named a woman named by name in, in the chapter. And so he read, and the chapter has a story of Jesus. Now, of course, the story of Jesus in Quran is different from the story that Christians had accepted in their general creed. Jesus was a man who was born miraculously from a virgin woman and who has been given a major message to bring to mankind, to bring peace and to be decent and good. Now, all of you could read the chapter. I'm not going to read the chapter now, so I promise. Um, and so he presented the message. Najashi recognized that while there are differences in creed between him and this new small group of asylees, these people definitely were not the criminal, the renegades and the group of you know, malfeasants that the Meccans portrayed them to be. And so Najashi declined the request of the Meccan to deport this group of immigrants. Now, why do I tell you this story? Today, there is so much focus in media, locally and globally, on the question of immigrants. And a lot of people are scared that immigrants are coming to take their livelihood, and are their immigrants are coming to invade their countries, and transform their way of lives, and so on. And those things are scary. People, actually, when they get scared, they, they suspend their rational thinking. And a lot of people play into that globally. It's not just in this country. In this country, however, a country that is built by immigrants, generations of immigrants, a country that provided asylum to many people escaping persecution from around the globe, a country that based on constitution that enshrines the human rights freedom of speech and freedom of religion, there is also that paranoia and that fear of people. Many people point to few moments throughout history before the modern where many communities were able to come together and accept the diversity of their creeds and the diversity of ways of life. And we had the most beautiful story now about perspectives just played before us. I cannot outdo that beautiful acting, um, but that there was moments like that. In the medieval time, this story was unique. The story I just told you was unique before Islam. But when Islam spread and became a global community, Spain was one place 
where people, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, lived under Muslim authority with no persecution of any one group. That was also happens in many places in the Middle East itself. In today, Lebanon, if you see, there was a Christian community, historical community, that lived for centuries there amongst dominant Muslim majority. In Egypt, the same. In Iraq, the same. Unfortunately, recently, in the crazy geopolitical problems in the region, minorities, Christians, Yazidis, and others, has been suffering. Now, also other people, who so may not be minorities, are suffering because of war and running to seek shelter in Europe and the United States. These people need people to welcome them because, like Najashi did, moments of good will always be part of this earth and moments of good will be recorded in history and people who do good will not be forgotten by those who write. Thank you.